Good morning, good morning, good morning. Welcome to Bible Study Live. We are going to dig into something pretty interesting, and that is these words. If you decide that it's a bad thing to worship God, then choose a God you'd rather serve and do it today. What? Does the Bible actually say that? It does. But we're going to talk about what that really means and why the Bible says it. So let's get started. Hey, thanks for jumping into Bible Study Live with Matt. I am Matt, and we're about to study the Bible live, my friends. Uh, I am super stoked to be wearing this wonderful, yeah, I said wonderful, uh, Solutions Over Excuses shirt. So shout out to uh, Remy Adeliki and Kijo Wear, because this is a dope shirt. Let's check it out, K-E-J-O, that is Kijo, and uh, you should be wearing one yourself because they make pretty sick merchandise. Anyways, uh, I digress. Today we're going to talk about uh, something uh, in the book of Joshua. You heard me right. We're going to talk about something in the book of Joshua. We're going to wrestle with the scripture. Now, it may look like I'm not looking at you. I am looking at you. The camera just sort of also blocks the screen, so like when I'm looking at the screen, I'm not staring Hope that uh, helps you out there. If you think that I've been staring weirdly off into space, I'm trying to trying to get this uh, camera lined up the way that uh, that I need it to be, um, without uh, without it looking like I'm staring off into la la land. That's right. We'll get this sorted. Anyways, here we go. Today we're gonna dig into the book of Joshua, and we're gonna talk about something going on here. Now, here's the deal. Um, we're gonna look at this covenant that took place at Shechem. Uh, and we're going to just read this about this interaction that Joshua has with, uh, with God's people. Now, a couple things as we get started. Uh, the whole point of Bible Study Live is I'm just reading through and wrestling with some of this stuff out loud, just some of the stuff that just jumps off uh, at the surface level, the Peshat level, if you will. Um, I don't always get it right. Nobody does. And uh, here's the deal. We're not going to agree on it even, uh, even if I do. We're not always going to agree. You know why? Because nobody ever agrees on everything. It's just real life. But what we will not do is argue about it. Uh, so if you disagree, feel free to share it in the comments. If you have a different perspective that, that you think brings more depth to the discussion, share it in the comments. I would love to hear it. I would love to read about it. I would love to see it and be able to dig into it. Because um, here's the deal. The whole goal is to look for solutions. Right? God has given us solutions, uh, and we need to be looking at those instead of making excuses uses for why we can't figure this out. God gave us this amazing resource called the, the Holy Scriptures, which we affectionately call the Holy Bible. Uh, this was given to us so that we would have a way to understand God better, to draw closer, to learn more about the, the Almighty God who created us, right? So that's what we're supposed to be doing here. Um, and the best way to do that is to just kind of, I, I believe, is to wrestle through stuff together and grow together. So that's what we're going to do. So, uh, God, please just uh, let your Holy Spirit guide this time. Help me to to really dig in and wrestle with your scriptures. Uh, please give me a better understanding, God, and help this be a blessing to anybody else watching. Amen. Okay, so let's take a look. We're going to read uh, Joshua chapter 24. We're going to read the first 28 verses, a little bit longer today, uh, and we're going to break it down. So let's wrestle with this. It says, Joshua called together, and I'm reading from the message uh, translation today, by the way. Joshua called together all the tribes of Israel at Shechem. 
he called in the elders, chiefs, judges, and officers. They presented themselves before God. Then Joshua addressed all the people. This is what God, the God of Israel, says. A long time ago, your ancestors, Terah and his sons, Abraham and Nahor, lived to the east of the river Euphrates. They worshipped other gods. Now, I'm going to stop there because this is an interesting thing that a lot of people don't realize. Sometimes folks look at the story and they look at Abraham and they're like, oh yeah, Abraham always followed God. No, he didn't. No, he came from a place, uh, Midian, I believe, where the Midianites were, where they worshipped other gods. So um, Abraham wasn't like he was born into this, just so you know. This is interesting. So, okay, let's continue. Okay. So, they worshipped other gods. I took your ancestor Abraham from the far side of the river. I led him all over the land of Canaan and multiplied his descendants. I gave him Isaac. Then I gave Isaac, Jacob, and Esau. I let Esau have the mountains of Seir as home. But Jacob and his sons ended up in Egypt. I sent Moses and Aaron. I hit Egypt hard with plagues and then led you out of there. I brought your ancestors out of Egypt. You came to the sea, the Egyptians in hot pursuit with chariots and cavalry, to the end, to the very edge of the Red Sea. Then they cried out for help, or help to God. He put a cloud between you and the Egyptians and then let the sea loose on them. It drowned them. You watched the whole thing with your own eyes, what I did to Egypt, and then you lived in the wilderness for a long time. I brought you to the country of the Amorites, who lived east of the Jordan, and they fought you. But I fought for you and took their land. I destroyed them for you. Then Balak, son of Zippor, made his appearance. He was the king of Moab. He got ready to fight Israel by sending for Balaam, son of Beor, to come and curse you. But I wouldn't listen to Balaam. He ended up blessing you over and over. I saved you from him. You then crossed the Jordan and came to Jericho. The Jericho leaders ganged up on you as well as the Amorites, Perizzites, Canaanites, Hittites, Girgashites, Hevites, and Jebusites. But I turned them over to you. I sent the hornet ahead of you. It drove out the two Amorite kings, did your work for you. You didn't have to do a thing, not so much as raise a finger. I handed you a land for which you did not work, towns you did not build, and here you are now living in them, eating from vineyards and olive groves you did not plant. So now, fear God, worship him in total commitment. Get rid of those gods your ancestors worshipped in the far side of the river Euphrates in Egypt. You worship God. Now, here's verse 15, and this is, before I read this, this is, the, this is the focus verse of what we're going to wrestle with today, okay? Verse 15. If you decide that it's a bad thing to worship God, then choose a God you would rather serve and do it today. Choose one of the gods your ancestors worshipped from the country beyond the river or one of the gods of the Amorites whose land you're now living. As for me and my family, we'll worship Let's just pause right there. So Joshua spends the first 13 verses talking about, like God is speaking through him. He says, this is what God says. And he starts going down the list of all the ways that God has provided for the Israelites. All the ways he's cared for the Hebrew people. All the ways he has brought them out of 
tough situations, but most importantly, God is talking about all of the ways that he kept his promises. He promised Abraham that his descendants would, would outnumber the stars. And, and so the first 13 verses, Joshua is saying, basically, God wants me to remind you of what all of these things that he's done for you. And then verse 14, he says, so now fear him and worship him in total commitment and get rid of those gods your ancestors worshipped on the far side of the Euphrates. And in Egypt, get rid of them all. You worship God. But then in verse 15, he says, if you decide it's a bad thing to worship God, then choose a God you'd rather serve and do it now. Do it today. Make the choice. Choose one of the gods your ancestors worshipped from the country beyond the river or one of the gods of the Amorites on whose land you're now living. But as for me and my family, we'll worship God. It seems when I read this, he's going, look, here's the deal. Here's everything that God has done for you. And if that's not good enough, nothing will be. So why don't you go pick who you want to serve? And then it's interesting because he says, and I, I just thought this was really interesting. He points out earlier on, like, Here's this land that uh, has been given to you, right, by God that the Amorites were in. Like, I brought you to the country of the Amorites who lived east of the Jordan. They fought you, but I fought for you and took their land and destroyed them. God is saying, look, he's telling them all this through Joshua. And then Joshua says, what does he say? If you think it's bad to worship this God who's done all this for you, though, then pick somebody better. Go ahead, pick them. Who are you gonna pick? It, it it comes across to me when I read this. It comes across almost like he's he says, "Who are you gonna pick that's better than this one?" Huh? You gonna pick the God of the Amorites, whose land you're living on right now? You know the land that was given to you by God because He took it from the Amorites. Is that who you're gonna pick? Now you may say, Matt, what does this have to do with us today? Well, I'll tell you because we're gonna keep going, uh, and then it'll make more sense. Verse right here says. Uh, Verse 17, or 16, the people answered, we'll never forsake God. We'll never leave God to worship other gods. Really? I think that's baloney. It says, God is our God. He brought up our ancestors from Egypt and from the slave conditions. He did all those great signs while we watched. He's kept his eye on us along, all along the roads we've traveled, among the nations we've passed through, just as he drove out all the nations, Amorites and all who lived in the land. Count us in. We, too, are going to worship God. He's our God. And then Joshua told the people, you can't do that. You're not able to because he's holy. He's jealous. He won't put up with your fooling around and sinning. When you leave God and take up the worship of foreign gods, he'll turn right around and come down on you hard. He'll put an end to you. And after all the good he's done for you. But the people told Joshua, no, no, we worship God. And so Joshua addressed the people, your witnesses against yourselves, that you have chosen God for yourselves to worship him. And they said, we are witnesses. And he said, now get rid of all the foreign gods you have with you. Say an unqualified yes to God, the God of Israel. Now, how does this apply in 2022? I'll tell you what, it applies very much so. Uh, there's somebody in our um, life, unfortunately, who is the epitome of a TikTok and Instagram Christian, right? Shares a bunch of God posts, things like that. Same person talks to mediums, person talks God, uh, but then belittles, um, belittles the mother of his child. Uh, he brings, he, he tries to bring his kid to see uh, 
fortune tellers and stuff. See, Joshua's pointing out to the people, you can't have it both ways. You can't say, oh, yeah, yeah, no, I'm team, I'm team God. I'm with God. Yet go on living a life uh, where, you're, where you're showing an allegiance and worshiping other gods. See, when you're going and talking to mediums and fortune tellers, you're, you're, you're talking not to God, but you are trusting in darkness. When we are putting political agendas ahead of God, we are worshiping darkness. When we are putting ourselves before God, we are worshiping ourselves, which means we're worshiping a fallen, sinful darkness. See, Joshua, I, what I, it's interesting, but what I love about this is that Joshua said to them, look, if you think you can find better than God, just own it. Just be honest about it. That's what it, that's what it seems like he's saying to me when he says to them here, when he says in verse 15, uh, if you decide it's a bad thing to worship God, then choose a God you'd rather serve and do it today. It comes across when I read that, it comes across to me like Joshua saying, Cooper, get off the pot. Stop, listen, stop dating God. Stop trying to hook up with God when it's convenient for you. That's probably a better analogy. Stop trying to hook up with God when it's convenient for you and beneficial to you. And then leaving him in the lurch when you feel you got another another side piece on the line. I mean, let's let's get just down to brass tacks. That's what was happening here, right? They were, oh, God is so great when he pulled them out of Egypt. Oh, God is so great. Oh, well, there's manna at first. He's great. Oh, there's, you know, we're going to land of milk and honey. Like where they think there's something in it for them, they're all team, team God. And then when times get tough, it's, oh, God's abandoned us. Oh, God is in love us. Aren't we like that today? I'm team Jesus. I'm team Jesus. I'm team Jesus. How do you feel about abortion? Well, I can't really speak to that. That's a political issue. Lie. No. We're either for God or we're against God, right? Like, that's it. Now, there's a difference between saying I'm for God, but I don't necessarily understand all this. Or I'm for God, but I don't know that this is what the scripture means. That's part of the journey. Study, learn, right? Wrestle with. That's real life. There's a difference between that and going, I'm for God, and full well knowing the Bible is against something, and then saying, but I don't think that should be a biblical issue. I, I don't care what you think should or shouldn't be a biblical issue. Life is a biblical issue, brothers and sisters. The creator of the universe, God, everything is a him issue. Because everything is under his authority. See, we can't separate sections of our life. We can't compartmentalize these are God's and these are mine. And what Joshua said to the people is, look, if you have something else you want to worship, stop pretending. That's what I'm reading here. Stop pretending. Listen, I may not agree with you if you say, listen, I'm not worshiping God. I may say that is sad. I may be in prayer for you a lot and think, man, my friend is a lost soul right now. I'm not going to give up on you. But I have more respect for you if you just be honest instead of pretending like you follow Jesus when you don't. I might not agree with you. I'll still love you. But this is, man, this sounds like a harsh word for Christians, but, uh, but I'm going to give it to you because I feel like I'm supposed to. If you're pretending to be team Jesus because it's convenient and you like the benefits of looking like a goody two-shoes Christian, would you just stop it? If you think there's a better God for you to go give your allegiance to, do it today. 
Stop pretending. Stop pretending. See, we, we have the freedom to play Christian. We have the freedom to just go to God when we're in need. And we have the freedom to forget about him after our need is met. We have the freedom to make those choices, but we are not free from the consequences of those choices. And I'm not talking about salvation in hell and heaven, like, oh, because I didn't, you know, worship God the way Matt says, I'm getting thrown in a fiery pit. I'm not talking about that. That's stupid to say. Even. But I, I, it's like in today's culture of Christians battling one another, I feel like I have to say something like that because of the stupidity of that argument. What I am saying is this. There are consequences on earth. You want to choose to say you're Christian, but then go live a certain way when it, you know, stuff comes to light. There are consequences, and you look like an idiot. It just is. When you pretend you're a Christian, I that term, I struggle with the term because I want the term to go back to meaning something of value instead of people associating it with hypocrisy and pretending. But when you are there. It goes back to the Bible study live the other day when Peter and Jesus were talking and Jesus said, do you agape me? Do you love me dearly? And Peter said, I phileo you. I approve of you. I'm team Jesus. This is almost a parallel to that conversation what Joshua's having. Hey, look, if you're for God, be all in for God. If you're not, just own it and step out. And when you step out, realize there are consequences. You walk away from God. You walk away from the benefits of walking with God. Now, the scriptures do say that the rain falls on the good and the evil. And rain, by the way, is a blessing, not a curse. When rain comes, it brings life. It brings growth. So you may walk away from God and go, oh, but look, my business is thriving. Things are good. Yay. Do you realize that God is going to love you and bless you? And sometimes he's going to do that in spite of you. But it's not because he wants to show you you're fine without him. It's because he wants to show you that he's a loving father waiting for you to come home. The question is, are you going to, are you going to choose God or are you going to choose your little G gods? You have the freedom to choose, my friends. And isn't that what makes following God so beautiful? That we have a choice? We don't have a God who's like, worship me or else. And here's something that's not going to be a popular opinion amongst the Christian community, uh, and here's the part where I don't care. We will say in church that God is a loving God that doesn't force anything. But then in the next breath we'll say, but when you die and you walk in, God's going to either say, enter good and faithful servant or depart from me, I never knew you. Now, the interesting part of that, every time I hear that being said, is this. The scriptures do not say that that is exactly the, the process for every person when they die and go to heaven. The scriptures are talking about an encounter with people who walked around playing, playing disciple of Jesus that went to walk up to him in the age to come and act like they were homies. Like, oh, what's up, Jesus? Good to see you, bro. Like, well, I know you, man. I don't think so. Is not, in my opinion, that is not like um, a prescriptive text that is like, okay, when everybody dies, you walk up to Jesus and he either says, uh, enter good and faithful servant, or I never knew you. No. This was, there was a specific thing taking place in that scripture. Now, theologically, we can debate about that. That's fine, but I'm not going to right now. What I will say is this. 
if God is a loving God who Jesus died to rescue, if while we were still enemies, he saved us from the punishment we deserve, then one could logically draw the conclusion that Jesus' death was the rescue from hell. That being said, it was not a ticket to heaven. It was not a ticket to uh, eternal life in the Holy of Holies, in the, in the, in the place closest to God. It, it was a ticket out of eternal punishment, but it ain't a ticket in. It's a ticket out of something bad. It isn't a ticket into something good. There are people that will be outside. The scriptures do show us that. But here's the deal. God can't go to work on your heart and pull you back in. God can't. You can't be led into the presence of God if you're not honest about where you're standing. See, if I'm standing over here, but I keep pretending I'm over here, how can someone come find me to bring me where I need to go, right? If I tell somebody, hey, if I'm, if I'm in our house and I say, hey, I'm in the bathroom closet, but really I'm sitting in my office, if my wife needs me and says, it has come to get me to, to lead me to the car, and she's like, where are you? And I'm like, oh, I'm in the bathroom closet. If I'm not really there, she can't come get me to lead me where I need to go. And it's a crude analogy, but God knows where you are. But the question is, are you where you're supposed to be based on who you say you are? It's kind of like in the Garden of Eden when, when Adam and Eve had sinned. And God said, hey, where are you? The Hebrew phrase that he used there, it wasn't like, I don't know where you are. It, it was a phrase that meant, hey, why aren't you where you're supposed to be? Like, this is where I put you. Why aren't you here? Like, this is where you're supposed to be. What made you not be where you're supposed to be, right? God wants you to be where you're supposed to be. Not for his benefit. He doesn't need us to do anything. He doesn't need. Like, if God wanted to, he could speak with an audible voice. Through, he did it. He, he could do it through a donkey. He, he's done it through a, a bush on fire. I mean, water came from a rock, for God's sake. God can do whatever God wants. God spoke a word, and the universe came into existence. If God can do that, then God doesn't need you or me to worship him to make him better. But God knows that if we worship and follow him, that's the path to the not only the eternal life in the age to come, but it's the path to a better, abundant, more satisfied, filling life here on earth right now. But are you going to choose to worship him? Or are you going to choose to worship some other God? If you think there's a better God to worship, can I encourage you? Quit pretending. Quit pretending you're aligned with Jesus in this God. Own where you're at. Own what you've chosen. Because only then, only then, by being honest about where you're at, can you make progress on where you're going. Now, I'm not trying to discourage you from being a follower of Jesus. On the contrary, I believe that when we hear the true gospel, the true good news that Jesus came and gave his life so that we could be rescued from eternal damnation, so that we could have eternity with God, with a God who loves us more than anything, that that was what Jesus chose to take on, even though he didn't want to, even though he knew it was going to be painful. And some people are like, what do you mean he didn't want to? He literally prayed, God, if there's another way we can do this, would you, would you take this cup from me? But if not, I'm willing. He willingly 
He said, I'll give my life for these people if you leave. And he knew that there would be people faithful to him that would be willing to do the same. But it is hard sometimes. See, we can still be a follower of Jesus and say, I struggle with certain things still. We can be a follower of Jesus and say, I struggle with certain issues, like wrapping my head around. We can be a lover of God and a lover of Jesus and say, I still struggle with understanding the difference between sanctification and, 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 uh, and justification. We can say, I struggle with understanding this whole virgin birth thing. Like, I, I, I'm going to choose to believe it, but I really don't get it. Like, you can, you, can, you can be honest about that, and that doesn't make you a bad Christian. And if someone tells you it does, it makes them a bad person. Don't like it? Turn off. Change the channel. I don't care. We need to speak the truth. The truth is this. The Bible isn't the easiest book to understand, but Jesus tried to make it as simple as possible when he said, here's the deal. You want to know what's most important? Give God everything you got. Love him with all you got. Then love your neighbor as much as you love yourself. Now, if we actually just stopped and thought about that for a minute, then we it, it begs the question to go, what God am I supposed to love with everything I got? If that's the best way to live. Now, Jesus' obvious implication was his father, our creator, Yahweh, right? The God of the Israelites. The God who spoke the universe into existence with his mouth. Jesus said, you want to get it right, start there. Now, here's the cool thing. If we do start there, if we honestly start there and say, okay, God, you first, then by default I have to go, well, if I love him with everything I am, what, what would he want me to do? Like, What should I do with my life? Well, I've been given it, so I should, I should take advantage of this life that I've got and do the most I can with it. I should uh, be kind to other people because God created them too. I should do my best to care for those in need when I can and where I can. It doesn't always mean you can, but does your heart even want to, right? And then it's when I go to work, like, whether I love my job or not, when I go to work and, and I'm getting compensated so that I can provide for my family, am I stopping and celebrating that and saying, thank you, God, for providing me with a way to support my family? God, thank you for giving me enough to get through the day. Am I appreciative of the life I have? Am I giving all the credit, all the praise, all the glory to God? See, that's worshiping him is recognizing that all good things come from God. And without God, there is nothing good. That's where it begins. And if we, if we recognize that, then we can look and go, then how do I help that flow into the world? It's my friend, Jeff Knight, Pastor Jeff at the Rock Church in Washington says, and I believe his father said this to him, water can't flow through a pipe without the pipe getting See, you may not know everything about the Bible and God and, and Jesus and how everything works. I don't, and I'll let you in on a little secret. Other pastors don't know everything about it either. Some are just too arrogant to admit it. Here's the deal. If you are trying to love God and love others with all you've got, by default, you're going to get wet. You're going to get some of that on you. If you're letting God's love flow through you, you're going to get it on you let his grace flow through you, you're going to get that grace. If you let his peace flow through you, you're going to get that peace.
us. Maybe that's why Paul said, uh, blessed are the, or Jesus said, sorry, you're blessed when you make peace, when you help people get along instead of fight. Blessed are the peacemakers. Maybe that's why he said that. Because when we intentionally make peace, we can't help but feel that peace. When we intentionally show love, we can't help but feel love. When we intentionally bring someone else joy and we see the smile on their face, we can't help but feel joy. But we've got to choose God. In order to embrace his ways fully, we have to make the choice to embrace him fully. So here's my charge to you today. If you're following Jesus, but you're like, man, I just am in this spot where my walk's got kind of humdrum, a little complacent, step up, man up. Men, ladies, woman up. Open your Bible. Don't stay in your Bible. Open your Bible. Get refreshed and refueled. Take it out to the world. Open your Bible and go live your Bible. Open your Bible, go live your Bible. Choose God. If you're not for God, then choose your God and just be honest about it. I'm going to worship me because I think I'm great. Listen, I'm going to disagree with you about how great you are. I'm still going to love you, and I'm going to encourage you to still get in your Bible because once you learn what Jesus did for you, you'll realize you're only great because of what God has created you to be, which is great. Joshua said, listen, if you don't think, (laughs) I love this, if you decide it's a bad thing to worship God, then choose a God you'd rather serve and do it today. Friends, if you don't think following God is the best way to go, if you're a Christian or if you're playing Christian, if you're playing Christian while sage in your house and going and talking to mediums, just own it. Own it that you're not a follower of Jesus. Own it that you think your way is better than God's way. If you say, I'm a Christian, but you're going to vote on these abortion things and allowing people to murder babies, why don't you just be honest and say, I think my ideas are more important than what God says. That preserving the life of a child isn't important to me. No, no, I know there were all these nations doing child sacrifices that God wiped out, but you know what? God was wrong. If you feel that way, why don't you just own it and stop pretending that you are following Jesus. You're following when it's convenient. Now, we all do it to an extent. I am not immune to that, okay? We all do it to an extent. There are days where I'm like, I I will just, I'll I'll just, I'm going to just tell you right now. There's a, a person that frustrates me so badly because of how vile and disgusting and rude and hateful he is that I can tell you right now, um, I struggle with uh, letting him keep his teeth. That's just honest. Every time his mouth opens, it is vile and vitriol. It is causing problems. It is stirring up hatred. Every time. And in the moments that I feel like shoving a rock down his throat, I am not following Jesus. I'm giving into my flesh, at least up here. But then I have to make the conscious choice to speak the truth while still being kind and loving as best I can. And that is the the hard choice of following Jesus, is when you want to do something that your emotions lead you toward, and you say, God, what is the right thing to do? And then you choose what God says is the right thing to do. And God reveals that to us through the scriptures. Friends, today, if you're not following God, follow him or get off the pot. 
either commit to moving that direction or just admit that you don't care and walk the other direction. That's what I want to challenge you to do today. Either commit or give. Do what Joshua said. Do you think there's a better God? Go follow him. But stop sullying the name of the God of the universe by pretending you're a Christian and then running around living how you want. See, Jesus might have saved us from our sin, but he didn't hand us a get-out-of-jail-free pass to go, now go sin as much as you want. Paul talks about that. You're better than that, brothers and sisters. I'm better than that. I want to encourage you. I fall down. I desire to do things in the flesh that I'm not proud of, that I get frustrated with certain people. Um, but I'm still moving that direction. I'm still moving closer to God. I'm still trying every day. And I want to encourage you by saying, no matter how far you feel like you've gone off the deep end, God is still that same loving father we read about in the prodigal story. He is running toward you. Uh, I'm using, obviously, anthropomorphic language like a human because he's spiritual, but God is running toward you. He's hiking up his clothes. so His ankles are showing, which would have been culturally bad. He is running toward you with arms open. Just like, yes, yes, come home to me. Yes. And for those of you that aren't moving toward him, every day he's out there like this going, why aren't you where you're supposed to be? I'm waiting for you. Why aren't you where you're supposed to be? He's not asking me the question for you. He's asking you, why aren't you where you're supposed to be? He's looking for you. Going, why aren't you where you're supposed to be? If you just take a step toward him, he is, and when God sees you move toward him, he is going to come running at you with the biggest open arms to wrap you up in his love. And I promise you, you'll never regret taking that step toward him. you got to pick them. There you go. Thanks for tuning in to Bible Study Live. 34 minutes, 12 seconds later. I love you and I appreciate you. Happy Tuesday. Get out there and vote today. Vote against these laws that are harming children. Vote against, I'm not going to tell you to vote your conscience because I don't care about your conscience. Vote biblically. If you call yourself a Christ follower, vote the Bible today. Now, I don't believe that any politician is some biblical saint, superstar. But vote those people who the agenda they've professed and the actions they've taken show that they align with what the Bible is teaching. You want to make America better than it is right now? You want to put the fire out in the dumpster, so to speak? Vote the Bible. Vote for people that are supporting biblical values, that are saying no to murdering babies, that are saying no to grooming children, that are saying no to to sex trafficking. Vote against the people that hid the Jeffrey Epstein stuff. Vote against the people that pretended like it was a summer of love when the world was on fire. Vote out the people that are trying to destroy America. Now, I don't mean America like in the Roman capitalism sense. I mean the people that want to enslave you and make you beg them for your livelihood. God gave you the freedom to live. God gave you that freedom. America is so similar to the Roman culture today, friends. It is. It is. I'm not saying vote for Rome. What I'm saying is this. We need to remove people 
who are trying to make you beg for the right to be able to eat and feed your family. We need to vote against people that say it is okay to bring drag queens and transgender activists into schools to, to poison the minds of our children. We need to vote against people that are teaching our children, that are putting books in our schools, that are teaching children it's okay to perform sex acts on people. We need to vote against people that are grooming children with pedophilic ideas. It is the day to vote today. Do something with your voice. Stand up for the values that God has clearly laid out. Please, can I urge you to do that with your vote today? There you go. And uh, I was going to say I try to avoid politics, but you know what? No, I don't. Because God is in everything. I'm not going to always get it right on the political stuff, but I'm not going to avoid it just to make people go, ooh, separation of church and state. That was designed to protect the church, not the state. Just so we're clear. God is in everything. The places that he is not there is because we either ignore him or don't want him. It is time for us to want God in every part of our lives. The question is, will you step up and want that? Come on, do it. I love you. I'll see you guys tomorrow. Adios.